This is the Non-Microwave Truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. First world problem. If this is your first time joining us today, I usually start the episode off by asking a first world problem question. This question is not something that is like heaven or hell. So there's really no right or wrong to it. It's just a matter of opinion. It's something to get you thinking outside of the box. And since this is Black History Month and we've been talking about different social issues, we're going to continue with that theme. Our first world problem today is this. The question is, should you be able to joke about race? Should you be able to do it? There's this awesome skit from Saturday Night Live. You should check it out on YouTube. It's called Midday News. And with this skit, you have two black news anchors and two white news anchors. And they're pretty much just clowning and laughing and joking and hitting all of the different stereotypes that the average person thinks. And it's unique because it really shows how sometimes we root for our own race. But it's it's making a joke out of everything. And it's one of those things with, with your friends of a different race. Are you able to joke about different things that are racial? Or do you think that's an absolute no, no? Now, what I am not saying is to try out with one of your people that you don't even know is necessarily a friend and go up to him and like, hey, I know you like chicken, right? Huh? I'm just kidding. Yeah, don't do that because you mess around and lose a friend or lose an associate because they might be looking at you crazy like we never were friends in the first place. But I just think about some of my friendships and relationships. And I know a group of my friends will randomly text one of our friends who happens to be white and just send her a picture of like some chicken and be like, you see, this chicken ain't got no seasoning on it. You know about that life, don't you? And, it's, and we do that because one day she was making some chicken on the grill and the chicken looked bland as ever. Like, baby girl, where your Lowry's at? Where your seasoning's at? Where your garlic at? So now it's just like a joke. But is that wrong? Should we be able to joke about racial things? And is that a sign that you are actually friends or even this, do you even feel comfortable? Let's say you're white and you see two black dudes joking around and they hit him with a, a racial joke about maybe how black he is. Do you feel comfortable laughing or do you hold that laugh in? Like, oops, I better not laugh because if I laugh, I might seem racist. But in your head, you're thinking like, ooh, that was funny. I can't wait till I get home so I can just bust out laughing. I can't believe he said that. But what do you think? This is our first world problem question today. Should you be able to joke about race? And if so, what's too far? Or if you can joke about race, what does that say about you? And if you say no, you shouldn't joke about race or someone shouldn't joke about race, what does that say about you? What do you think? And this is our first world problem. Remember, I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. episode today is called Hidden Agenda. And I just want to start off by thanking my ancestors, thanking those who came before me, thanking the people who fought for civil rights. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, there is more change that needs to be made, but sometimes we just aren't thankful for the the doors and opportunities that other people have fought for us to, to actually have. And I just wanted to take some time out to say thank you. I look at that. I've been able to publish a book because of people sacrificing and some of the things that people have fought for. I've been able to own homes, own property, been able to go anywhere I want in the U.S. I can go anywhere I want to eat. 
I can do whatever business I want to do for the most part. Think about that. I have a podcast where I have people of all races listening to it. And not even that, I have people of all races helping with this podcast. Like that that's beautiful. And I, I sometimes we just gotta take time out to be thankful and to show our, our gratitude. And there definitely is more change that needs to be made, but we can't act like no change has been made. And with those opportunities and doors that have opened up, I have had the chance to go talk to different schools. I can go to the hood and talk to kids. I can go to the suburbs and talk to students. I can go where it's mostly black. I can go where it's mostly white. And I'm just going to share a time when I went to go speak to a predominantly white school in the suburbs. And we discuss these three words, these three words that cause a lot of tension or cause a lot of strife in our in our culture. Those three words are black lives matter. Now, the question that I posed was to 10 to 14 year old, mostly white students. And the question I just asked him was, when you hear that phrase, or when you hear the three words, black lives matter, what does that mean to you? And a lot of them were just like, that just means blacks want equal rights. Another student said something of the nature of blacks wanting to live a normal life and not have to fear for their life because of the unjust treatment they might be facing. So pretty much all of the answers were something about equality, fair treatment, um, seeing a group of people that might be hurting and need support and love from others. And not one of these students mentioned the national organization or even alluded to the national organization of, of Black Lives Matter. Now, I say that because I posed to them that their parents, who I was guessing might be conservative white individuals, that phrase might make them really uncomfortable. And I know even some minorities that it makes uncomfortable because they associate that phrase with the national group or organization. Because we hear something and if we don't know about it, we Google it. And when we Google it and we get an answer, we think that's what it means for every single case and every single person, when in reality it doesn't. But I did point out to them that the reason that some people aren't fond or in support of the group is because there are things that may go against God's word. Now, if you mention something like Trayvon Martin and their their reason or their they're fighting for that, that's awesome. If you mention them talking about stopping white supremacy, that's awesome. But I pointed out and I want to point out that they want to make it sometimes, and this is where I say a hidden agenda, one fight against the man. But it's it's multiple battles, and some of those battles we shouldn't even be fighting. And the issue that I have seen some have that are even black is the fact that, like, why do we have to lump being black with being homosexual, with being transgender? Why do we have to lump all that together? Like, why can't blacks have their own fight? Why can't homosexuals have their own fight? Why can't transgenders have their own fight? And what they do is they take that phrase and they say, well, all of us are being oppressed. And I want to make this very clear. There is no reason that because someone says they are gay or they are transgender, that they should just get beat up and treated like trash or like garbage. God tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, But in the same light, just because you are transgender or homosexual and you want the same rights that I want as, as a black man, that ain't that's not the same. Like me being black is something that you see every single person sees. And to dig even deeper, being black is not going against God's word. Being transgender, being homosexual, 
that's going against God's word. So we can't lump my race as the same as someone else saying, I'm going to do a sin and this sin should be supported. Because I'm going to say that again, being black is not a sin. Being white, being Asian, being Native American, indigenous people, being purple, being green, that is not a sin. But what a lot would try to do is let's just lump all these oppressed people in one group and let's just all fight against the man and take them down. And it's like, nah. And it's like when you lump all these things together, half the time you don't even know what you're arguing or what you're fighting against or what people are talking about. And you just assuming that they're talking about this when they're talking about something else. And that's just so much miscommunication. And another thing that people bring up against the Black Lives Matter, the organization, is looking at what they've said about the family structure, almost making it seem like you should break up the, the family and it's OK to have a mom and a mom or a dad and a dad. And I'm not talking about like if you were just raised by your mom or your dad, but we have to look at what God says. And what he says is the best way and he shows us is through a man and a woman. A man being a great dad and a great husband and a woman being a great wife and a great mother. So when they used to have on their page destroying the nuclear of the Western family, that's what they were talking about. And it's like, no, uh, I can't support that. I'm not I'm not down with that. But can't we separate it? Can't can't we separate the phrase from the organization? Can't we realize that no organization is going to be perfect and that there will be some good things about it and there will be some absolutely bad things about it? But us as a people have to understand there are hidden agendas and there's something behind almost each and everything. And I just want to remind you, I just want to remind you about the devil, how good, he, how good he is at what he does. He's not good. Nothing about him is good. But he's not going to come up to you and say, hey, my name is Lucifer. I'm the father of lies. I'm going to lead you on a path of destruction. My whole intent is to get you as far away from God and the truth as possible. So please follow me so you can have a one way ticket to hell. There are a thousand different ways to get there and a thousand different gods to get you to that place called hell. But hey, there's only one way to the real God. Like, he's not going to break it down to you like that. He has a hidden agenda that is that is sneaky, that is devious, that is lie, that is wrapped up in a bow and looks presentable, looks beautiful. And he uses our microwave culture that tells us to be true to who we are. But we know from Psalm 51 verse 5, which tells us, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So if we do want to be true to ourselves, are we talking about that sinful nature side that was infected or is infected with, with sin? Or are we going to have that Luke 9 verse 23 philosophy, which is talking about denying that sinful nature and following the path that Christ has paved for us because we are new and redeemed children through him, through his death on the cross, through his blood that he shed, through his resurrection. So the question that I pose to you is, should all humans have equal rights? Should all humans have equal rights? Now, I'm going to give you a loaded answer and I need you to hear the whole thing. And my answer is no, we should not all have equal rights. And I say that I'm going to give you the example that a child shouldn't have the same rights as an adult. Like men and women shouldn't even have the same rights. Like I shouldn't have the right to go into a bathroom or a locker room with women. I shouldn't. A five-year-old shouldn't have the opportunity to get drunk. In fact, none of us really should be getting drunk. A seven-year-old shouldn't have the right or have the option on if they want to have sex or not. Mind you, none of us should unless it's with our spouse of the opposite sex. 
And absolutely, we, we all have free will and we have free choice. But that is not saying that I have the free will to go and kill someone, a random person I just see and don't know, because I don't like the way they look. Like, I shouldn't have the right to, meaning I shouldn't be excused to do this. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 tells us this. I'm going to read the MSG version. It says, just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. And let's stop right there. Our laws have flaws in them, but our God and his word, it doesn't. My feelings and desires can be wrong, but God's feelings and desires are pure and holy. I can't examine right or wrong based solely on how I feel, but I can only base this solely off of God's word. Let's continue on with the reading. It says, if I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. Whims means like I'd be a slave to all my different desires. You know the old saying, first you eat to live and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with the body, honor him with your body. Now, I'm going to give you a list of questionable things that we have the right to do. But should we? We have the right to remind people that all lives matter and post this on social media and even try to justify it with God's word by saying Jesus wanted us to make disciples of all nations. But, but should we do that? Should that be a battle that, that we fight? We have the, the right to sit for the national anthem or for the pledge. And we could justify it by saying there's not liberty and justice for all in this country. And I know thought process for that would be I want to bring light to the situation. Or another thought process might be, I shouldn't respect them because they don't respect me. Like, have you heard or, or thought about this? Another questionable thing that we have the right to do, but should we, is comment and post about any and everything. Talking about how much we hate illegal immigrants and how we possibly need to build a wall. Like, should we be doing that as Christians? Or another thing we have the right to do, but should we, is protest against the police. Or protest and march against anything, protest for a mask or against masks. Or should we be in school or should we not be in school because COVID is real? Protest about not aborting babies or women need more rights and there should be more options for them in protecting or doing what they want with their body. Now, I want to get to that, that questionable thing that we have the right to do, but should we and just really focus on, you know, aborting a baby. It's my body. It's my right. And no man should tell me what to do with my body. A bunch of old white men shouldn't be able to tell me what to do. Have you heard this before? Now, this applies to all races, but especially to minorities who feel like there are white people who want to suppress or get rid of them. Why can't it be seen that the greatest way to make a race extinct is by killing their babies? Or another interesting concept I heard, I heard this from a black person, and they said, if you want to make any race extinct, it's to promote and encourage the LGBTQ plus community. Because two men together, or two women together, they can't create another human being. Now, this isn't an attack on white people, but this is just food for thought to everyone, especially minorities who say, give women more rights. In this regard, we're talking about abortion. And give more rights to the LGBTQ plus community. I got to admit, this is like butt backwards to me. I would compare that to someone who's an enemy and they happen to be, let's say they're a town and they ask for a, a bunch of weapons to protect themselves. But you look and see that all they're really doing is using the weapons to kill themselves. An enemy, they wouldn't mind giving you the weapons then because they're not really trying to help you. 
but they have a hidden agenda to hurt you. And what I just want to make clear is the biggest enemy we have that I'm referring to as evil is sin is the devil. The devil is the father of lies. He's the author of confusion. He's the promoter of do you, especially if you goes against the good book and it ultimately will destroy you. Now, I probably went on a tangent on that one, but but think about it for real. Now, I want to point out a few hidden agendas that were pushed on Jesus, but he saw through them. And the first one I want to look at comes from John 16, verse 15. This was after Jesus had fed the 5,000. The people were like, oh, yes, I, I like this Jesus. I like this Jesus. He should be our king because you know what? He can make us food any and every time. I like that. This bread wasn't too bad. This fish wasn't too bad. And it says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And what we see with this, no matter your race, wanting to live a life of luxury where people serve you, that can be dangerous. To make life easier by any means necessary is the same thought process slave owners had three to four hundred years ago. Now, what else did they try to push on Jesus or have hidden agendas about? The big tax question. They came to Jesus and asked him about paying taxes to the Caesar, paying taxes to Caesar. This happens in Mark chapter 12. And this is so cool to me or so relatable because this is like when people give you, you're either this or you're that, but you can't be both. You're either a real black person or you're a fake black person that worships Jesus, that white Jesus. You're either a strong, independent, awesome woman or you're that weak woman that wants to follow God. You heard about all that? Submit and let the man be the head of the house, girl? Yeah, that's just crazy. But isn't that the hidden agenda of the devil? Now, Jesus was approached on the same stuff. People loved Jesus, and the Pharisees thought that they had a question that would make Jesus support and agree with the Roman government against the Jews. It's like someone asking you, do you think it was okay that the police shot the man and paralyzed him? But I did hear he had a gun in the car. You can't really give a yes or no answer to that. It's a ton of gray in it. But let's keep reading. Verse 13 says, Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Now let's stop right there. All those compliments. Enemies will try to soften you up. They will compliment you. They will tell you how nice you look. They will support you most when you're wrong and or they want to hurt you. That's the main time they'll support you. The question they asked is this. Is it right to pay the impartial tax to Caesar or not? Verse 15 says, should we pay or shouldn't we? Now, here are some possibilities on why Jesus didn't give a simple yes or no. Because he didn't do that. People wouldn't have heard the whole answer if he gave a simple yes. And they probably would have tuned him out and not listened to the whole thing. People still do that to this day with sound bites. They hear one little thing and they don't even listen to the rest. If he would have just said, yeah, you should pay the tax, they would have made it seem like God wasn't really the one ruling over everything. Or they would have tried to make it seem like what he was saying is don't worry about giving to God. Now, if he said no, don't pay, then he would have been declared an enemy of the state. And like a rebel against the Roman Empire. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy, it says. He says, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. He's saying, bring me some money. Bring me a coin. So they brought him the coin and he asked him, 
whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. This is so deep because their hidden agenda got exposed. And Jesus made it clear that you should listen and do what the government says as long as it doesn't go against God's word. I read this commentary and I thought it summed it up pretty nice. It says essentially what Jesus was saying is you recognize Caesar's civil authority when you use his coins. Therefore, you are obliged to pay him the taxes he asked for. And the second part of his answer shows us that there are only certain things that we can give to God and that the government or, or people, they don't have authority over everything. That coin has Caesar's image stamped on it. It's, it's stamped on a coin. But what we must remember as children of God is we have Christ's image stamped on our hearts. And that stamp of approval from God is why we're compelled to do good and allow our light to shine. Now, what you see with this is Jesus didn't focus and try to fight every battle. There are some battles the devil is using to try to distract us. Romans 14 verse 1 tells us, Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. How much time and effort and energy do we spend arguing over things that do not matter? Things that it's not biblical, it's not a right, it's not a wrong. It's just a matter of how do you want to do it? Disputable matters, stupid stuff. We argue over it all the time, all the time. And we don't even like people or give people a chance because of these silly, disputable matters. And one of the biggest takeaways I want you to leave with is this. Don't ask questions like the Pharisees. Don't ask questions trying to catch people up and put them in a box of they're either this or they're that. Because there is a lot of gray area to things. And I want to leave you with five points on this episode of Hidden Agenda. Number one is this. Have conversations with people and see their why. If you can't make a conversation or you don't want to do a conversation, then you need to give that person the benefit of the doubt. The second point is love them. The passage that I think I've referred to several times in this series is from Matthews 5 verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Love people so much and so hard that it's just shining like, ooh, all that light in my face. It was dark in here, but now it's light. Oh, that's because of you being a follower of God. Oh, okay. That's 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 unique. I want to get to know God as well. The third point that I want to make is make sure you don't have a hidden agenda. Make sure you don't have a hidden agenda. Allow God to give you your agenda. My next point is especially for those who consider themselves spiritually mature or are working to become spiritually mature is slow down when these issues and matters come up. Do what it says in Romans 14 verse 13. It tells us, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. We put so many obstacles and stumbling blocks in front of people that it's not like we mess up their blessings. We mess up our own blessings because that was an opportunity or relationship that could have blessed us. And that's just something we don't think about. Like, we really don't think about that. There are so many trivial and silly matters that we try to give advice or act like it's, it's holy or not holy that really just don't matter. If it's not found in the good book, the Bible, then a lot of times it doesn't matter. Now, the last point that I want to leave you with on this episode of Hidden Agenda is this. There is a hidden agenda to make us at odds with one another. And it's not just based off of, of race or gender or sexuality. It can have 
white people mad at white people, black people mad at black people, heterosexuals mad at heterosexuals. Like it, it doesn't matter. And the hidden agenda is to make us hate one another. And all this stems from sin and us not loving ourselves and knowing what we have in Christ. We are all different and unique, but yet we are all one. Galatians 3 verse 26 through 28 tells us, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Like it's not through your works, it's not through your, your race, it's not through your gender, it's through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus eliminates all of that and he makes us one. He makes us one because of his love. And this is the non-microwave truth. This is the last episode of our February series. I hope you've enjoyed it. If this was your first time listening today, go back and check out those other episodes. Or if you happen to miss one or two, go back and check them out. They were all dealing with uh, racial issues, isms, and they all were looked at from a biblical, real, authentic perspective. And don't forget, if you like this episode or loved it, share it with a friend, hit the five star, write a review. It is all greatly appreciated because hopefully more people get to hear about God's word. And this opens the door for real conversations that, that need to be had. All right, I need to go get ready for my game tonight. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.